On this episode, data shows how human he's become by losing it at work. Picard acts rebellious to impress an older woman. Anthony Zerba learns that beauty can be fatal, and we find out what happens when you don't break up a two-part episode. I'm Captain Awesome. And I'm the Tribble Hippie. Welcome aboard. Grab a station and find something to hold on to. There are no seatbelts on the bridge. Hey everybody, welcome to No Seatbelts. Uh, we're digging into the Star Trek universe. This time we're talking about the movie Star Trek Insurrection. Alright, so we just got into the system. Uh, looks like Picard has shown up. The Admiral really doesn't seem to care. And <laughs> so now he wants to find out what next steps are. And F. Murray Abraham's like, I want to shoot somebody. <laughs> so Picard's like, you know, let's just go get data. <laughs> And, and again, okay, this is, this is when we had a television show, Riker would say, I'll go do this. And Riker would go grab a couple of people and go do this. And Picard would stay on board. This is now movie Picard. And, and I actually read a couple of things saying that Patrick Stewart really did not want to go back to TV Picard. He preferred movie Picard. And so movie Picard is just going out and doing everything now. Mm-hmm. he's he's much more kirk than 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 the tv picard so i have no idea why but he just decides oh i do know why here's my friend that that was it that was it yeah um, well i think it's got to be more fun to do though oh, right yeah. like like nobody wants to be the bureaucrat who's like yes you there go fight my war for me <laughs> It's more fun to be the guy who's like, I'm going to charge in with guns blazing. And the thing is, this is the first one that Stuart actually was a acting producer on. So mm-hmm. he got to have Ooh. a little bit of say of, no, I want to, I want to be doing the action stuff. You want the money? I get the power. Let's do this. <laughs> yeah. I don't know. Um, the, and, the and Riker just gives up that, though. Riker is totally given up right? at this point. At this it it point, was I'm interesting. Thinking, he he put up no fight whatsoever. Yeah, at this point, I'm thinking he's just waiting around saying, you know what? <laughs> I'm tired. I'm tired of I, I think I'd rather take over the shoe the ship sooner rather than later. So right. you know what? You know what, Captain Picard? Run off and do that. <laughs> <laughs> Why don't you uh you know what? I you don't even need any body armor. You, you know, I hear you don't need phasers on this planet. <laughs> Maybe, uh, you know, you just got fun. You do whatever you're going to do. I'm going to, I'm going to go investigate the ship. Cause I really like it. No, no connection. Knock yourself out. You go find data. <laughs> you fly the dangerous mission. I'm going to take a bath with my girlfriend. <laughs> I'll be in your ready room. <laughs> taking a bath with my girlfriend. <laughs> So they, they show the scene where they, they get on the, um, on the, the, the captain's yacht, um, which, or actually was it a shuttlecraft first? This one's a shuttle. This one's a shuttle. Yeah. But the camera work on this, oh, <laughs> they, they were doing this bobbing back and forth camera work. And I, I think they were going for, we're on a boat, but, oh, it just made me seasick to watch. And I was like, why? It's not necessary. Yeah. They've kind of established that inertial dampeners and <laughs> and gravity is all a thing, so you don't need to rock everything. 
And this was before so the there, office, so handheld really wasn't, you know, wasn't all yeah, the range right. that it was. <laughs> so they start flying around and Picard sees data and he's like, no, no, no. I know how to make this work. I can stop him. And he starts singing. Oh, okay. This Once is- again, Patrick Stewart is a producer. So <laughs> he, he's going to sing. Now, here's the thing I don't get about Pat Stew. This man is English. He's got some of the coolest rock, some of the coolest punk, some of the, the coolest pop music to come out of any country in decades. And the only thing we know him for is singing old British sailing <laughs> songs. Now I'm, I'm going to give it not Patty Stu's fault on this part. Uh, all right. Did some reading on this. First of all, I do want to mention that once again, Data's moral and ethical subroutines include dirty looks because before they roll into this, Data pulls up alongside of them, looks through the window, and gives them Worf and Captain Picard a dirty look. Like Dude, they just I, he just cut him off in, in, in traffic. Am I the only one who wanted him to look out that window and just pick up a Polaroid camera and snap a shot? <laughs> I was kind of waiting for him to flip them the bird. Right? <laughs> So yeah, they they start this Gilbert and Sullivan bit, which, okay, here's what I did not realize. This was actually a callback to an Isaac Asimov story. Um, A story, somebody told me this anyway, a story called Runaround in which a escaped robot was running around um, singing Gilbert and Sullivan tunes. So this was supposed to be for those who were into Asimov. This was supposed to be a nod to Asimov. That's great. I'm not well read when it comes to Asimov, so I had no idea. So I'm taking this from a couple of different people saying, no, this was actually a thing. Patty Stu, though, Patty Stu really wasn't, <laughs> was not a fan of this as well. Um, he actually had wanted to do something closer to maybe a Tony Bennett um, type song or do lines from King Lear because he thought, hey, Picard and Data have done Shakespeare before. Doing Lear would make sense. Neither one of those floated. So his last suggestion was doing lines from Beef as a Butthead, which he's a fan of. (laughs) They shot that down as well, which in my mind would have made the movie much, much better. Would have given the movie at least some sort of cred to see uh, uh, Captain Picard and Worf just in next to each other going <laughs> seriously the the problem is is that star trek believes that all cultural references stop in 1900 <laughs> and this is why so many people hate star trek <laughs> yeah. this is this is why there is a kermit the frog stuffy sitting on the desk of the captain on uh, the the oh god mcfarlane's desk Perfect. The Orville, thank you. Oh my gosh. I just purely guessed that I still haven't seen it. Oh, so good. <laughs> um, yeah, so uh, for the record, Run Around was in fact a story in the iRobot series. Okay. Um, or in the book iRobot. Uh, the, it, it's a robot called Speedy uh, or SPD-13. And he was broken and running around in circles singing Gilbert and Solomon. Gotcha. All right. That is very interesting. I never thought of that as a reference, but yeah, that's a pretty good, 
That's pretty good. You know, that, that means that, uh, at least one of the writers for this movie was a fan of Asimov. That's pretty cool. Which makes sense with all your, all your data stuff in there. I would, I would say that with Asimov being kind of the beginning of, of really robot, what would it robot drama? Yeah, I'd say robot drama. That works. (laughs) So all of a sudden there's a shot and suddenly there is steam boiling up all over the bridge. Because apparently they also have a laundry room right next door. <laughs> I, don't know. I do agree with you, though. It, it was a nice shot of of, of Picard uh, uh, trying to get uh, Worf to sing and, and Worf's reaction like, no, I don't want to do this. <laughs> I've speaking- told you before. I am not a merry man. <laughs> We're speaking for everyone in the audience. Please, please, just can we move past this? <laughs> right. And all I can think is somewhere there was a discussion <laughs> with Brent Spiner and, and Jonathan Frakes. Like, Listen, I don't even have to kiss anyone in this one, but I really want to sing. <laughs> right. <laughs> it's just gross. Anyway. Now they do this whole so, thing where they they latch the ships together and they they spin around while the ships are lifted together, and it really the music really seems like this is really an exciting sequence. It's not. It does. It just doesn't really. Yeah. It, it seems oh, like it should look, be, and it just doesn't quite do it. together. The only, I mean, if it was Beavis and Butthead, it would have been way funnier because they would have been giggling <laughs> about the two ships connecting like that. <laughs> <laughs> so <laughs> but they sing the uh, pinafore which again as you mentioned they keep on making references because pinafore will come up again in star trek shorts when uh, uh young spock meets number one they mm-hmm. do this whole pinafore thing on in that as well which again why yeah really <laughs> i was in Maybe this they... play when i was like in third grade okay it's not all that well, apparently so was everybody in, in Starfleet Academy. <laughs> Their drama club loves Pinafore. Right. <laughs> anyway, um, then they do a spinny camera effect while they're they're connected, or the ships are connected. And it's like the, the little bobbing effect they were doing on the ship, only it's like times 12. <laughs> and it just spins up and down each side of the screen. And it totally feels like you're watching an episode of Batman with the original (laughs) series. Uh, It just, God, and the lighting looked like real crappy sitcom lighting too. (laughs) It was just like, Frakes was like, hey, what what would happen if this show was filmed on the Batman stage? What what would it look like? I don't know. The whole thing just was real weird. Yeah, they, they... <clears throat> they eventually get data out of the ship and they shut him off. Okay. That's not the whole story. The whole story <laughs> is Worf has to hit the button three times because the first two just don't work. <laughs> it looks I, like the only thing I can do is your remote with your Android. Do you need help? <laughs> <laughs> that would have been great if, if all of a sudden data just stood up stock still and was like, I believe you're trying to train your remote. Is that correct? <laughs> the button one more time and we will be successfully paired now <clears throat> pardon me this scene might have been the original script for this called for data to 
die. Somewhere in this movie, Data was supposed movie. to die. And Patrick mm-hmm. Stewart said, absolutely not, because if we do that, we don't get another movie. Um, Spiner even pits the idea of, hey, why don't you kill me, Brent Spiner Data, and you download Data's brain into a younger actor, and that younger actor can go on playing Data, and I can finally kick back and drink a martini or two. Yeah, I believe they call that uh, <coughs> the trill theory. <laughs> <laughs> Which again, these are things that are that seem like they were in this script and they're going to end up in Nemesis in one form or another. It's the more I dug into this movie, the more I saw things that Rick Berman was mad that he didn't get. So we're going to put it in Nemesis because we're yeah. going we're gonna to get up. We're going to get up with B four. So Data's brain is going to get downloaded into a different form, even though it's still him. Um, Data's going to die. So a lot of the a lot of things that that Romulans, a lot of things that seem to have been in the original insurrection script, end up. Nemesis almost ends up like a, a leftover script. It almost seems, and we'll get to that. Oh, well, that's that's because somebody went, "Hey, you guys realize this is the last movie we're going to let you make, right?" <laughs> <laughs> Anyway, um, I also really liked the sounds. It was like, (laughs) (laughs) and then data falls down. So our, our, our next stop is back at the commune. (laughs) So yeah, we're here to take back the, uh, the people and they're like, wait, you, you could have them. We didn't want them to begin with. We're not the ones who took them. You put them here. I think it would have been better if like Picard and all the other crew had just showed up like just like armed to the teeth and ready to just blow somebody's head off and they show up and everybody's just sitting around having dinner and they're like, what? And then, you know, one of the minor characters in the background just shoots a villager just because he's so amped up. Everybody's like, why, why'd you shoot Gus? <laughs> But they think they're going down to meet these these uh, these people who kidnapped and are holding their people hostage, and instead they find their space Amish. Right. Also, there were kids playing hacky sack, and Troy's like, <laughs> "They've got such amazing clarity." I mean, look at them hack the sack, dude. That hacky sack was digital. It was crap. It did not look right. It looked so stupid. They should have just gotten a bunch of stoners around in a circle. They would have hacked like crazy. And then she still could have had her line and it would have looked real. I remember the first time seeing this in the theater and hearing from Miami, dude, that is so totally fake. (laughs) Really? Because I heard, dude, I could do that. (laughs) So actually, no, with real stoners, it'd be like, dude, I can't do that, but I know a guy who does. <laughs> it's amazing. <laughs> so Picard and uh, the crew meet the uh, leaders of the community. Yeah. Um, He's like, nice to meet you. Nice to meet you. Hey, uh, what's going on? McCormick's one of them. But then there's also Donna Murphy playing. Okay. Now I have this. N- I have her name spelled four different ways in this script. So how did you get her name? What, what do you think she's saying? Anij. Okay. We'll go with that. Anij. 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 I think it's Anij. Yeah. I think it's supposed to be Anij. I don't know. They, they were not very consistent. Yeah. Even the pronunciations were not very consistent. 
So she's kind of pulling the, the um, school marm part on this thing of who are you people coming here? And I'm not attracted to you at all, Captain Picard. And I'm going right. to let you know by everything you say going, oh yeah, well, that's not the way it is. Yeah. Which also is, I don't know. I felt like she was telling her, you know, I find you completely unattractive and you know why, or how I'm going to show you that is by inviting you back to my villa (laughs) to show you just how unattractive I find you. I'll stand here defiantly with my held, my head held high and my chest pushed out just to show you you're not the boss of me. Right (laughs) now I got to say she was, uh, she was just under 40 at this time and uh, she was in very good shape so much so that when I tried to look up information on her on IMDb, uh, she came up under the list of hotties. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Uh, This is a good role for her. Um, One thing I I was not aware of when I looked up her background, you know, she's actually the voice of mother Gothel in uh, tangled the Disney movie. Oh, I had no idea. Yeah, I didn't either. <laughs> but uh, yeah, she's uh, it's which is funny because in in uh, Tangled, she's got a very kind of I don't know, like almost Brooklyn lilt to her voice. It <laughs> <laughs> uh, definitely does not show up here. I'll always remember her as Rosa Octavius from Spider Man Two, Doctor Octavius' wife, who <laughs> passes away after screaming and seeing all the glass flying towards her. Well, I mean, that's what happens, right? <laughs> uh, now, more recently, she's playing Mrs. Astor on the Gilded Age. Um, uh, Gilded Age is pretty good. It's a little bit slow at times. I mean, if you're a fan of Downton Abbey, you'll like the Gilded, the Gilded Age. Okay. If you're not a fan of Downton Abbey, may I suggest uh, Spider-Man 2? <laughs> <laughs> Going completely the opposite direction. <laughs> <laughs> Though I can hardly wait till the Downton Abbey Spider-Man crossover that's supposed to be coming up later this year. So uh, he can do anything, man. (laughs) (laughs) I don't even have a joke for that. I just want to see it. (laughs) Downton Abbey in the (laughs) Spider-Verse. I like it. So Anish was a part. She is being played by Donna Murphy. It was originally offered to Sally Field, who said, no. No, I'm not doing that. Which is good. However, (laughs) I have a serious crush on Sally Field, so this would have been a totally different movie for me. (laughs) Just saying. God, she's amazing. Anyway, (laughs) um, they they definitely... So they they tried to play up the whole sex appeal angle on Donna Murphy, which, hey, she earned it. But the... It was very Kirk era. Yes. Um everything was just oozing this forced sexuality (laughs) the way that all the women did around Kirk. And it was just, it doesn't fit (laughs) beating you over the head with sexual tension. Right. (laughs) Hey, Hey, did you know they're attracted to each other? Hey, Hey, you know what? They're attracted. Hey, Hey, did you know? (laughs) And then we uh, find out also that the hippies are not only space hippies, but they are super smart space hippies because they know all about like data's positronic brain, despite the fact that they're irrigating, you know, with uh, 
with small boards and troughs. They they know positronic brain. They know all this stuff. Dude, seriously, the only scene I like in this movie. Like, that's my favorite scene. Because <laughs> they're like, he, he's like, so listen, this friend of mine, he's actually a machine. He's an artificial. And they're like, you mean the guy with the positronic brain? Yeah, we know all about him. And the cards look on his face, just like, oh, <laughs> you say what? No, and Don the movie just really the thing. I don't think the captain thinks we're smart enough to know that. <laughs> <laughs> we're not so stupid after all, are we? And I'm not attracted to you. <laughs> <laughs> Take your stuff and go, narc. <laughs> right. Ugh. So. <laughs> Picard's like, well, we got our stuff, so let's get the hell out of here. And uh, Doherty, of course, is like, um, there's there's nothing going on here. You should leave um, <laughs> for no reason, but, you know, because I'm, I'm your boss. So get out. Um, incidentally, while they're having that phone call, there is a cloth on the back of Picard's chair that is, in fact, from Watch the Watchers, which is the other Duck Blind episode. I thought this was a great addition. Yes. I'm actually... I'm really curious. I couldn't find anything on it, but I'm really curious who did that. Cause you know, somebody on staff was like, Oh, Oh, you know, what would be great. We should go get that thing. Put them in and everybody else was like, yeah, what are you talking about? <laughs> and he's like, no, 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 hold on, hold on. I'll go get it. <laughs> Cause it kind of seems like having that there would remind someone that duck blinds often don't work properly, right? but you know, <laughs> Somebody's like, I'm going to put that on there so that these writers know that this is a dumb idea. <laughs> we already did it. It already didn't work. We thought it was dumb then. We think it's dumb now. <laughs> the writers are like, no, 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 no. Those were Romulans. It's okay. <sighs> then we get anyway. a brief interlude with Riker and Troy where Riker and Troy are trying to rekindle uh, their old flame, I guess. Listen, I'm all for people trying to be sexy together. That's a good thing. I'm so over this scene. <laughs> <laughs> and Mwah. she says she never kissed him. She They kiss and she goes, I never, yuck, I never kissed you with a beard. Is that right? So, okay. I I read your note on this and I thought, you're, you're right. How could she have never have kissed him with a beard? But I was thinking about it. They met when they were younger. And when they were younger, when the show started, he did not wear a beard and it was a big deal when he did grow a beard. Yeah. Everybody commented on it. Everybody made a big deal about it. Even she commented on it and she commented, if I recall that he never liked having a beard before. So I think they actually did set this up that this is kind of a new thing. Gotcha. Okay. Now she did kiss Worf when he had a beard. So yeah, but he's a Klingon. She expected him to be hairy. <laughs> She's like, this is going to be unpleasant no matter how you shake it. <laughs> All right. That's not fair. Worf's a handsome Klingon. Yes, but gawk, bre- gawk breath. That's true. Yeah. <laughs> um, also, why was she American in this movie? <laughs> I it, it was really kind of jarring because I, I'm used to her accent from years and years of watching her. And then out of nowhere, she's like American. And it was really hardcore. So I'm, I'm kind of wondering, like, did Marina live in, a, in a, the U.S. for a while and maybe things just mellowed on her or what? But it was real weird. 
Yeah, it was one of those things I think, you know, I, I, I forgot what accent I was doing when we were on the TV show. So. Right. It's, it's been a while. <laughs> I don't want to try know. to figure that out. <laughs> but again, you know, any, any chance to show, uh, Troy and Riker as having a thing for each other, it's definitely going to be front and center. And, you know, ick. <laughs> <laughs> So we do find out that Data got shot, and that's why his systems went offline, and only his moral and ethical subroutines were being activated at that time. And where did we see him? We see him shackled to a diagnostic cubby of some sort in engineering. Not, you know, in sickbay, like the last 20 (laughs) years or so. I... I, I don't even I don't even know why I, I don't want to know why they have that particular device there. Right. Or what that's for. I'm just gonna like, go ahead let's, and pass that. I just really there. hope that it was designed for data and not for <laughs> anyone else. Because we all know about Jordy's dating difficulties. So we're just gonna move <laughs> past that particular thing. Um He's like, Leah's coming to visit. I can't wait. <laughs> but they find out that Data got shot, and the only thing that were operating were his moral subroutines, his ethical subroutines, and his dirty look subroutines. Absolutely. <laughs> I mean, did you see that sneer? That's some good stuff. <laughs> now, Data explains that he's missing memory uh, subroutines, or I'm whatever. Missing several called. memory engrams. Engrams, that's it. <laughs> and Jordy holds out some chips and he goes, Oh, there they are. <laughs> that is an amazing joke. I laughed my ass off. <laughs> I've laughed my ass off every time I've watched that movie because <laughs> it's a great joke. This is one of my favorite scenes of exposition because it's a exposition, exposition scene that tells us absolutely nothing. <laughs> what happened? Well, I, you know, I really uh-huh. have no idea. <laughs> I don't know. My neck really hurts. <laughs> so, uh, so we go back down to the planet and we see some kids in a tree playing with a little creature that looks mysteriously like the little creature from flight of the navigator. <laughs> <laughs> Only I think this one's CGI instead of the other one, which was a cool puppet made by Jim Henson. <laughs> And then uh, Data's puzzled that the little boy scared him. It's like, yeah, dude, you did just shoot. You do remember shooting up the village, right? I mean, that's, right. you know. Kind of you remember when you were a disembodied head that was floating through the village shooting lasers? Yeah, <laughs> he might be a little freaked out. <laughs> I don't care how futuristic this kid's knowledge is. That's scary. <laughs> <laughs> going to be some therapy sessions about that for quite a while. <laughs> <laughs> Daddy, will the laser shooting robot head ever come back? <laughs> I thought I was past it, but but then I saw a weatherman walk in front of the screen wearing a, wearing a green, green shirt and it all came flooding back. <laughs> <sighs> So, you know, we have to do this, the same tired, crappy trope that we always do with data. <sighs> data can't seem to cope with other or with humans or people, I guess. It's not <laughs> so human. Uh, he can't cope with emotion holding people. And he 
tries to talk to the kid and the kid doesn't like him and he just can't figure out why. <laughs> I hate this. I hate it. Captain, I don't get it. I yelled at him. They fixed me. <laughs> and he just doesn't seem to okay. be reacting. That sounds like a bad joke. I Okay. I read through your notes before I got a chance to watch the movie and I was following along and making my own notes, right? Which makes sense. As I get to this scene, I read your note. I chuckle a little. And then I watch as he actually says, they fixed me. And I'm like, <laughs> oh my God. I thought it was a bad joke. <laughs> nope. He said it. Oh. <laughs> so the little boy in this particular case, and I can't remember the boy's name. The character's name? Yeah, the character's name. Oh, I had it right here. Where is it? Uh, do, 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 do. Not Donna Murphy. Uh, Artem. Artem, that's right. So he'll be played by Michael Welsh, which I don't really know Michael Welsh from many things, but other people might know him as Mike from the Twilight Saga. Which means nothing to me. Yeah. So just going to throw that out there, but have absolutely no knowledge. We're just throwing that out there for somebody who likes Star Trek and likes Twilight. This guy was in both. (laughs) There you go. (laughs) Uh, Interestingly enough, uh, this guy who is let's see how old he is he was born in 1987 so that puts him at 33 years old no 35 years old because math is hard (laughs) so he's 35 and at the age of 35 he's listed as having 25 years of acting experience with over a hundred film and television credits good gravy right this dude is a working actor. Well done, Michael Welsh. Oh, just recently he was in Quantum Leap. Look at that. Anyway. Um, so then we're going to go back to the Enterprise. <laughs> Where- and we're going to get to the cringiest <laughs> Troy and Riker of all Troy and Riker. <laughs> Troy and Riker are in a giant bathtub. Now, I'm, I'm a huge fan of giant bathtubs, so just saying. So a lot of respect for whoever has this, whichever whoever had this in their quarters, whether it was Deanna or whether it was uh, William. I think it was, I think it was Deanna Troy. And I'm going to tell you why, because when she de-evolved into a fish lady, she had to submerge herself in a giant bathtub to keep wet so that she wouldn't die. And that is where Uh. they found her after, or during that episode. And I mean, she was covered in all kinds of crazy amounts of hair because for some reason, when they put her in as the fish lady in the the giant tub, they left her wig in there with her. And (laughs) there is just hair everywhere. (laughs) It's so gross, but yeah. So I, I posit that that's Deanna's tub. That would totally make sense. I love and they're they're in, in there. They're what's that? And they tell him, "Hey, hey, the admiral's calling." And just imagine <laughs> right it's like, "Yeah, put him there." But what audio only? Audio, audio only. Right. right. <laughs> <laughs> Thank God we put some electrical tape on that camera. <laughs> so Gordy's asking him, "You know, why are you still here?" And, and Riker, Riker responds, Captain who? <laughs> Do you want me to leave right now? I can leave right now. <laughs> I don't think we're forgetting anything. No, no, I think we're totally fine. Right. <laughs> and he tells him where to go. And we get a brief shot of uh, Ruafo 
foreshadowing some sort of evil thing. It's obvious that Doherty and Rafa were up to no good. We still just don't know quite what. What are you talking about? These seem like upstanding gentlemen who are in no way trying to get everybody to get out of the way. No, no, definitely not. That would, that would be crazy. So we go back down to the planet <laughs> and our, our intrepid crew and data are wandering through the Hills and you know, data's all like the Hills are alive with the sound of Kelvin. I, <laughs> um, interesting use of the word Kelvin. Yeah, right. Th- this right here. This is what splits the universe. <laughs> is that David, Data's like, oh, there's Calvinite in those hills. Dun, dun, dun. You know, if you have a big enough buildup of these, it ends up making a really bad movie. <laughs> <laughs> this is this is the problem. Kirk's parents trying to get to this point. <laughs> there you go. So Data isn't getting any data. So what's he do? He goes for a short walk <laughs> off a long pier or a long walk off a short pier. Excuse me. We're and sure walks right into the water. We're sure that, that he's actually trying to find something and he's just hasn't given up and is just walking into the ocean. Right. <laughs> he's like, <laughs> it, it reminds me of uh, when Homer slowly backs into the hedge. <laughs> he's just like, nobody sees me. <laughs> Data finally says, you know what? I just, I not only can't be human. I just can't be around these people anymore. Right. <laughs> they don't know. I think. <laughs> Won't he rust? <laughs> and of course, uh, of course, Captain Picard has to be kind of condescending. <laughs> no. <laughs> you're such a silly little boy. <laughs> hey kid, you're stupid. <laughs> All I could think is they were like, um, have you seen data walk? That ass is watertight. <laughs> Okay, I will say when he's underwater and he sees the fish go by and he gives the fish a tap on the and the fish swims away. I don't know who that fish is, but hell of an actor. I mean, really pulled it off. <laughs> I know who that fish is. <laughs> when he touched him, he broke his little fin, and so now he just swims in circles. That's Nemo. Wow, that's a famous fish. Comes full circle, right? <laughs> we, if, if Data hadn't touched that fish, we'd never have Finding Nemo. <laughs> Everything's connected. Right. So then data opens up his lungs and sucks in really hard and drains the lake. <laughs> or, or he, you know, opens a floodgate and drowns everybody for miles down the stream. Yes. He just goes, Hey, I want to show you something. And then runs over and just opens the dam up. Dude, that was there for a reason. Yeah. <laughs> it was to protect the village. He just killed everyone. <laughs> but Hey, there you go, kid. You should be afraid of robots. <laughs> But hey, now you can see that ship that I totally could have described to you and even shown you right. on my tricorder. No, it's a drain the lake so you get a better look at it. <laughs> oh, well. So, Data, Picard, and... Anish? Uh, see, I told you it's something different every time. Uh, that's true. Uh, they explore the cloak ship. Because there's um, just a cloak ship sitting there. Now... They they want to go to this ship, and the way that they go to the ship is by getting on a little kayak thing, and or I guess it's it's more like a catamaran. It's like two kayaks with a platform. Yes, and Data sits down, grabs an oar. Uh, Anish sits down and does nothing, and Picard is like, "I've got this," and starts rowing. <laughs> Data is literally a machine. 
Yeah. Why is he not doing all the heavy lifting stuff? Because why isn't Picard sees a, it, it was going to happen that way until Anish got on board and then Picard is uh, like, oh, 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 yes, I'm yes, going to row as well. <laughs> it's like, <laughs> hey, do you hear that? I, I hear a phase variance between these two rows. <laughs> or one of them is, is working well and that android sucks at this. <laughs> Like seriously, Data should have just like hung his legs off the back of the thing and kicked really hard until they <laughs> they went forward. <laughs> now I am also asking here really quick. The Defiant had a cloaking device. It was a Romulan yep. cloaking device. Yep. Not a Federation cloaking device. Yep. What are we looking at here? This is a Federation ship with a Federation cloaking device that is highly illegal. And that that's that's on the bottom of their list too. It's not like, holy crap, how come there is a Federation starship with a cloaking device? Nope. We just kind of go, huh, let's go look at it. Right. That like, seems like burying the lead. Seems like Picard should have seen that thing right off the bat and been like, uh, Hey, Admiral, you're going to jail. Yes. Yes. Because guess what? I have the enterprise in orbit and I don't care how many times F Marie Abraham is going to, like threaten you, they're going to kick your butt. I mean, cause the, cause the, the cloaking the device is, is outlawed by at least the first kid accords, if not the second. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I believe they've actually said it was outlawed by both kid Accords. Yeah. So th- this, it seems really, really odd that they would just be curious about the ship and not going, Oh crap. Something really bad right. is happening here. This might be one of the nerdiest conversations we've had in all this podcast. <laughs> All of these podcasts. Anyway, but it's true. I can go on. I can go on about Federation politics for hours. It's just. <laughs> Unfortunately, so can I. <laughs> so they, they, they go onto the hollow ship and everybody's like, oh, wow, we're in the middle of the village. This is weird. I do love that they, they walk on and Picard immediately starts to mansplain. He's like, so this is called, uh, th- this is an artificial environment. It's great. She's like, yeah, you mean a hollow ship? Yeah, I get it. I know what a hologram is dummy. Her reaction is so awesome. <laughs> you're, you're not getting very far with me at this point, buddy. Right. How many times do I have to tell you? I know what technology is. I just don't want it. But then, so <laughs> Picard's like, what could this possibly be for? And, <laughs> and then he just gets it way too fast, it, way too fast. You know what I think they're going to do? I think they're going to kidnap all you guys and move you off the planet and put you on a different planet. Okay. It's not too fast. And I'll, I'll tell you why is because Picard has done this before. He's actually been the one to do this plot. You make homework. Really point. He, he helped Worf transport an entire civilization off of a planet and into a the episode with Paul Servino. I totally yes, missed that. Yes. Yes. Totally. He actually that. did that. The only way and it was the same premise. I just realized it was the same premise because they figured out what was going on because they saw a malfunctioning panel that was not displaying. And wow, they were like, what I is totally that? Space that episode. Right? Nice. Also Moriarty. He did it to Moriarty. Yeah. Twice. <laughs> he even did with Moriarty. He even got him into a hologram inside a hologram. And that's probably going to come back and bite him with the butt in this next season of Picard. We'll see. 
Okay, I'm sorry. I know Picard has not really been that great at Star Trek, but I am so in it for this. <laughs> Moriarty is one of my absolute favorite characters of the entire franchise, and I cannot wait. <sighs> anyway. Anyway, so <laughs> yeah, so they 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 find all this stuff, and then all of a sudden somebody starts shooting at them. Pew, pew, pew. <laughs> you found our secret. That's not okay. Yeah, yeah. I do like how the sonar are kind of on one note. Uh oh, shoot it. <laughs> <laughs> if, also, if I, if I shoot them, they're going to find out our evil plot, but I can't right? not shoot them. <laughs> and they absolutely have stormtrooper disease. They can't hit anything. And Picard's like shooting over his shoulder around a corner or whatever. And pew, pew, there goes three of them right there. Now, okay, you, you corrected me on this, but it seemed to me and when they first met the space hippies, uh, McCormick told them don't bring weapons down here. And yeah, Picard just decided that only, but you pointed out, he said the village, but still it seems a little bit odd when the natives plan say, you know what? Don't bring weapons down here. Right. Well, okay. That scene when they said, we don't want you to have weapons. Mm-hmm. We didn't cover this. Uh, Picard just has a, or just gives all the guns to one person. <laughs> So the guns are still there. He just gave them to somebody else. And he's like, there you go. I did what you said. I'm not carrying it. Ha ha ha. That guy's the most trustworthy member of our crew. So he's right. going to be fine. Everyone give your, uh, everyone, everyone like, give your guns. See that to guy Bob. with the red shirt holding all the guns. You should kill that guy. He violated your rules. The rest of us didn't. <laughs> we only brought him so that we had a sacrificial crew member. It just kind of seems to me that if you meet somebody on a planet and they say, we really don't want weapons around here your next reaction should be next time I go down, I'm going to bring a weapon. Right. <laughs> oh, you didn't want me to bring this gun. Okay. <laughs> I'll bring the other one next time. Sorry. So also, um, the, the phasers that they pulled out, those were not hidden. Like, uh, first off, if I'm going to go down to a planet, I'm really not sure if they're going to be cool with the whole gun thing. Why not bring those little itty bitty, tiny type, what are they? The type type three one? phasers? Yeah. Or type one, yeah. the little itty bitty guys that look like a car alarm yes. button and just slip it in your pocket. Don't carry it all brandished on your hip. No, no, no. Every time they go down, they want to bring the full on dust buster <laughs> in the whole. <laughs> Never understood that. <laughs> the Federation is getting the little second amendment to you, if you know what I mean. <laughs> <laughs> this is an open carry planet. Yes. Ugh. So they're fired at each other and Picard fires back and they literally are falling over themselves to show you all the Western tropes are going to, they're ripping off in this movie. I mean, the guy falls off the second story mm-hmm. goes flying down. To the, it's just like, yeah, I I've seen that in at least three John Wayne movies. Right. I'm pretty sure he should have fallen through a saloon. table. <laughs> <when he did it. laughs> Honestly, it was one of those scenes that there are so many tropes that are on display here that it's almost like, is this supposed to be satire? Like, was was Frakes just having fun? <laughs> I honestly, I can't tell if it was that or if it was just like, you know what? The script guys, they really like Westerns. So this is the crap we got. I'm thinking Frakes had somewhere on his desk back at his production company, he had a Western sitting there. And he's like, well, 
I can I can shake a few, you know, I can I can run a few practice runs while I'm doing Star Trek. <laughs> yeah, right. I don't know. Uh I I also liked that uh the there was a lot of the um you know rolling around and and the the uh the the ducking out of cover thing, the the cowboy ducking out of cover, like pew pew pew. All right, my turn. Pew pew, got him. <laughs> Pew, pew, pew. Okay, my turn. Pew, got him. <laughs> Phasers hitting fountains is kind of like the water biller or the water trough. You see the, you know, the oh. splash of the, you know. Seriously. <laughs> also, I, I love how phasers have a different effect depending on the material they hit. It's always so wildly different. <laughs> like if they hit a person, it's like a burn or the person disintegrates. <laughs> if they hit rock, it's like an explosion. <laughs> Ugh. Now with dynamic explosion setting, burn human beings, mm-hmm. destroy masonry. So they they run back out, and when they run out, they jump into the water. Unfortunately, uh, what's her face can't swim, <laughs> which it seems would have come up when she just walked onto the tiny little boat that was two kayaks with a picnic table on top of it. Yeah, and no no flotation device either. <laughs> <laughs> So I honestly, I think this was just an excuse to get her top wet. They, they put her in a beige top and threw her in the water. I'm sorry, but that's just movie one one for, we're trying to do a wet t-shirt thing. <laughs> it's kind of cringy actually. You can't go too hard on it because it is still Star Trek, but at the same time. Yeah. But it does also set us up for a great data joke. That's terrible and great at the same time. <laughs> Data walks out into the water with her and he inflates and says, I am also suitable as a flotation device. Fortunately, we don't actually see what part of his body inflates. So thank goodness for that. Honestly. So why didn't he just like inhale deeply? (laughs) Like He's got lungs (laughs) inhale deeply, taking a bunch of air. There you go. But no, they had to make the, inflating a raft noise yes. <laughs> when he rose up out of the water <laughs> a little too kooky guys <laughs> we turned the kooky down just a tad through a little earnest goes into camp you know into our star trek right movie. <laughs> anyway all right so they they get back on land um everybody looks completely normal now they're all dry except for picard has gotten a little moist so he has to rip open his shirt (laughs) (laughs) we're now seeing action picard right (laughs) with kung fu grip um he's in the full shatner totally (laughs) so Worf walks up and wharf has got a gigantic klingon pimple on his nose a gorge yeah, Picard's like, ooh, what's that? Now, first off, I mean, there's got to be a little bit of decorum here. Like, everybody gets pimples and stuff. You don't walk up to somebody and go, ew, what's that thing on your face? <laughs> but Picard does that to Worf. Like, what are you doing? That's just rude. He's still he's still making Worf pay a little bit for going to Deep Space Nine. Right. He's like, what is that? Is that like space station herpes? <laughs> No, it's called a gorsh. <laughs> and did we really need to know the word for a Klingon pimple? I mean, can't unknow it, so kind of. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, 
every time I look in the mirror now, I'm going to be like, is that a pimple or is it full on gorge? <laughs> I don't know. Um, and then data's reaction of course was great. Cause he just kind of walks up and is like, Ooh, hmm. <laughs> and then walks on and stares at it and then gives the non fiddle. Oh, you can barely see it. <laughs> <laughs> Which again, Brett spider is a really good comedic actor, but it seemed like they were jamming a lot of these into a small space. Yeah. Hey, speaking of which, then we go back to the enterprise <laughs> and you see data and Riker walking down a hallway and Riker has freshly shaven his face because well, Deanna doesn't like kissing his gross beard and data looks at him like you look different than the last time I saw you. I can't, I can't quite place it. And then we get <laughs> Riker's, the joke. Riker's line is smooth as an Android's bottom. Now, <laughs> Okay, so all I can think is that Data's looking at him like, hmm, <laughs> what happened? What exactly to me? did you touch my bottom? Uh, what did you guys do while I was turned off? I'd really like to see like, those memory engrams that I was missing. <laughs> right? <laughs> Ew. <laughs> of course, it could have been one of those college things of, you know, they wrote on his face, you know, and they, you know. <laughs> no the problem is data doesn't have real skin so if you write on him with a sharpie that's not coming off <laughs> data why have you had a penis on your forehead for the last 40 years oh. it's my attempt with- to be more human <laughs> <laughs> you go out for drinks with a klingon one time <laughs> so then you know uh we also have to have another wharf joke so Riker looks at Worf and looks directly at this horrible thing on his face. And all I can think is Worf is like, yeah, well you look stupid without your beard. I can hardly wait until I go home and I get to see my girlfriend. I hate it here. (laughs) (laughs) You know, on D space nine, I actually get to beat people up. Right. Actually get to beat people up. I get to shoot stuff. Last thing. Last thing I want is to walk around here seeing you making out with Deanna every five minutes. (laughs) You humans think you're so funny. Yeah. <laughs> so then we see Picard and he's still looking like hero Picard. <laughs> now, is this where he does the, uh, no, not quite yet. No, he's just kind of posing at this point. Yeah. Um, the, uh, they're, they're going on screen. The Sona are talking about how, they they really don't want to have anybody come on board. They don't want to have anybody investigate on the on the planet anymore. They just want them to get the hell out. Now, keep in mind, because this is going to come up later, keep in mind, once again, that we have a starship that has sensors that can tell the species of different people from orbit. Mm-hmm. We, the, the Enterprise can do that. It's done it many, many times. So there'll be some questions coming up later. But right now, the Sonar are like, no, we don't. We don't want anybody looking at us. We right. we want to see our own doctor. We're afraid you might be out of network, and there's a whole mess of things. And I do not want any surprise Federation billing. So you guys, uh, you, you don't take Aetna, right? I, that that's really where my problem is. <laughs> we we run more of an exchange, so it's. <laughs> I'm not even sure if it would be compatible with your guys' system. Listen, we switched to Kaiser last year. <laughs> it was, it was a whole thing, but now with that, they, they cover the staples a hundred percent. 
But Picard is now starting to figure out that something is going on. And he's starting yeah. to he's starting to get that little bit of of attitude to his face. And this is a little bit of macho. Yeah, this is he's as you said, he's going more and more Kirk. And then this was actually yeah. this is actually something Picard and Kirk did have in common from time to time. They really did like to stick it to the man. And that's one of the reasons why Kirk was so awful at being an admiral, because who do you stick it to when you are the man? Well, Picard has that same problem. Uh, once, once we see him as an admiral, yep. he also wants to stick it to the man and he's in that boat. They do not. Janeway didn't learn the lesson. No. Cisco had to be kidnapped by, by quasi reality aliens to keep him from becoming an admiral eventually. So, yeah, well, he was never going to make much of an admiral. No, because his, his stick it to the man was really, I'm not following anybody. <laughs> Screw everybody. We're going to do it my way or I'm leaving. <laughs> um, now they do return to the smoother than an androids, butt joke. Um, when data just walks up and rubs Riker's cheek for a second and goes, mm, no, <laughs> and walks away, which I have to get it for a short thing, a setup and a punchline. This was one of the better jokes in the, in the movie. I, I, the timing was great. Yes. The timing was real good. Not the greatest of joke. I mean, I think we could all see that coming a mile yes. away, but this but, is one of those uh, things that, um, John the Frakes is much better at making Riker look um, funny and goofy and fun to be with than he does making Riker look like any sort of like officer. <laughs> yeah, totally. totally. <laughs> uh, Picard definitely has the, he, he's starting to feel all jazzy and alive and something's starting to ring a bell in the back of his head. And, We'll tell you what that is next time. But for now, we need to shut this one down because we've been talking way too long again. So uh, join us next time as we continue and find out just what Picard's going to do next with his <laughs> new super duper, I don't know, youngish vibes or whatever. <laughs> anyway, thanks for joining us. Uh, we'll talk to you next talk time. To you next time. <laughs> I did want to take a minute and say thank you to our friends over at five year mission for the use of their song beam down as our intro and outro music. Thank you. Uh, please make sure you head on over to five year mission.net and check out their stuff. Uh, they do uh, a song for every episode of the original series and group them together into albums for each season. It's really cool stuff. Really um, cool. Also just found out you can get them on Apple music as well. And, please help support them. They are really, really cool. Uh, with that said, we will talk to you all next time. Talk to you next time. Stay-